0: as we already heard in the words of Doug reading our epistle excerpt this morning and also highlighted by Amy as she was visiting churches with the young ones in our congregation one of the compelling bits of this last these final messages from Paul is the way that he is naming people their actual names here and it's a reminder that Paul has genuine relationships with this community, with the real actual human beings that inhabit this community. It's a great reminder that the text we've been living with these last weeks is a letter. It's an ancient letter that almost miraculously we have in our hands. Paul wasn't writing systematic theology, and he certainly didn't think he was writing scripture. He was writing a letter to friends, to people with names, to people that he cared about, people that he wanted to encourage. And you probably know this, but he wasn't actually writing a letter, he was speaking a letter. This was the era of oral Transmission. And so I'm uh, doing something that feels really vulnerable to me today. And um, all these guests among us makes me feel even more vulnerable. I preach from manuscripts. I've got scant notes scribbled on this page. Because I wanted to do what Paul does. Which is to speak to a community of people who have names people with whom he is in relationship. So here we go. And if anybody transcribes this and tries to call it scripture, can I have an editing sweep at it, please? (laughs) One of the things that Paul is doing in this letter to this community of people with whom he's in relationship is sharing what he experiences as good news. And he says it over and over, or a good word in the translation that we heard today. A good word. He, he's proclaiming it to them over and over because he wants to share it, because he is compelled to share it, because it has actually been good news to him. It's been transformative for him. And so he's compelled to share it with these people that he cares about. And it calls to mind um, this past summer when Midnight Church USA was gathered in Orlando, and we had this, what was called a future church summit, and there were lots of opportunities for people to have smaller conversations in circles while being observed by the, I don't even know how many people sitting in the room, hundreds if not thousands of people sitting in the room. And um, one thing that one person said has stuck with me, That person was Hillary Watson, who, of course, many of you know if you've been around for a long time. Hillary was a child of this congregation, grew up in this congregation. She's no longer a child, she is now an adult, and a pastor in Lombard, Illinois. And Hillary shared, sort of confessionally um, up front, she said, You know, when I think about my life, I have to recognize that I have converted more people to vegetarianism than to Jesus. Because vegetarianism is something that is a good word in her life. It is something that has been good news for her and transformative for her and something about which she is compelled to share. I doubt she set out to convert anybody. Like, I'm going to make this person a vegetarianism. But she just couldn't help but share the joy of what it meant to her and her life. And so, one of the reasons that's echoed in me ever since the summer is because I wonder what, if anything, have I converted people to in my life? Not because I set out to convert them, but because the joy and the passion just spilled forth from me, a good news in my life, a good word that I couldn't help but share. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. One of the things that Paul shares as part of his good news is the resurrection of Jesus. It's what we hear in this section of the letter, the end of the letter. But really, more specifically, he's talking about the appearances of Jesus. In fact, he says appearance. He appeared to this person, then he appeared to that person, then he appeared to this group of people. He Six times in a row, there's appearance of Jesus. And in one of those instances, it's more than 500 people. And in another of those instances, it's the apostles. So at least a dozen or more. So somehow, this is good news for Paul that he's compelled to share. That Jesus appeared. And I think what that means is that Jesus was somehow real. Experienced as real and alive and transformative for him and his community. And so this was a piece of good news that he was compelled to share. Jesus is alive among us. (laughs) I'm seeing Jesus all around. And then Paul, as we have been naming throughout this series... Ultimately, what this letter is, this letter to friends, friends with names, friends in a community, friends with whom he has genuine relationship, ultimately this letter is an encouragement. He wants to encourage them in their life together as a community. Maybe he's encouraging them to think about what is the good news in your life and what good news are you compelled to share out of joy and out of passion. But he leads towards this salutation that we've finally heard in, in its context that we've had before us this whole series that has been the prompt for the stories that we've also heard from our community And for me when I talked with the storytellers for this series I said there's a, there's all these imperatives right you can see them all here keep alert be courageous, be strong, stand firm in your faith, and let all be done in love. All that you do be done in love. And I encourage storytellers to maybe reflect on one of those imperatives that was particularly resonating for them, or around which they had a story. And the one that has been sort of bopping around in my heart and mind most, I think, for this series is let all you do be done in love. Um, It's... um, (coughs) That's the one that I've been noodling on in my own life. And then, as I have been ruminating this week in preparation for sharing this letter with you, this oral letter with you, I found myself drawn to keep alert. So, good people of Seattle Mennonite Church, keep alert. Keep alert for appearances of Jesus in your life and in your world. Where do you experience Jesus alive, if at all? In whom do you experience the presence of Christ? Keep alert, people. Keep alert for what is good news in your life. What is the good word that is transformative and inspiring for you? And keep alert for opportunities to share that good news. Good news ought to be shared. Lord knows we need more of it in this world. I think we tend towards saying less, particularly in relation to our faith. Especially in the world, I think there's lots of reasons for which we tend to say less rather than more. Some good reasons, some bad reasons, some neutral reasons. At least for me, there's nothing inherently wrong with saying less and doing more. But I'm also um, I'm toying with a challenge that I'm feeling to say more, to challenge challenge myself to say more about whatever it is that is good news that is a good word in my life not in any kind of prescriptive way and not with the supposedly right answers but um, some of the questions I think of are that might be invitations for me to challenge myself to say more why faith? why Jesus? Why church? Why faith? Uh, And my answer may change from day to day. I'm sure probably yours would as well. Um, But as I've been thinking this week, and we'll see what comes out this morning, when I think about why faith, I think um, that the opposite of faith, in my experience, is certainty not doubt. Sometimes we put faith and doubt on opposite sides of a coin, and I think it's really faith and certainty. And there's a whole lot about which I'm not certain. So I choose faith. Or faith chooses me. A faith that necessarily embraces doubt, is infused by doubt, inspired even by doubt. Why Jesus? Well, it's not Jesus picked out of a vacuum. Jesus is part of my spiritual inheritance. From the littlest days of my life here on earth, I was gathered in community, that gathered in the name of Jesus. I was hearing the stories of Jesus. So there's a sense in which Jesus has also chosen me, or my community chose Jesus for me. And yet, as I, of course, grew and came into adulthood, I do more of that choosing on my own, though it's not in a vacuum. Why Jesus? I think what I would say this morning is that um, it's that Jesus' words and the stories about Jesus, the life of Jesus that is born witness to in the Gospels, still just bounces around in my head and heart a whole lot. <laughs> There's a lot there that uh, challenges me and inspires me and um, gives me something to chew on, something to wrestle with. Uh, it these words and these stories reveal to me um, a path that I want to be on, and also I think of community with whom I want to gather. And that leads, I guess, then to why church? Um, why church? Well, because of all y'all. That's why church. It's pretty simple, actually. Um and I think that those times when I feel most ambivalent about or ready to ditch faith and or Jesus, <laughs> that it's um, it's you all who provide the entrance ramp back. It's you all who often speak the word that I need to hear. Um To be called back to my truer, more grounded, more centered self. Also singing. (laughs) We're at Y Church. Singing, for sure. I can't do that at home on my own nearly as well as we do it here together. And community support. The way that I observe it happening outside of myself and the way I get to be involved in it. The walking alongside one another. In times of crisis um, and struggle. So, maybe that's enough for my letter today. (laughs) Good people of Seattle Mennonite Church, keep alert. Stand firm in your faith, be courageous. Be strong. Let all you be. Let all you do be done in love. And the grace of Lord Jesus be with you. My love, be with all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen.